Welcome to the Dream Big series with Dr. Chad Hawk. Chad has been a chiropractor for many years and serves all types of people from various backgrounds. One of the big reasons I wanted to have Chad on the Dream Big series is because in addition to being a chiropractor for many or for a couple presidents and many, many musicians, Chad was the chiropractor for the Dave Matthews Band for over five years. So Chad's going to share his insights about what he saw with that and how Corn Capshaw had a huge impact on how music is even managed today. Chad's going to share the power of being able to make changes and adapt quickly to circumstances and how a proper mindset is the absolute key to success. Welcome to the Dream Big series, Dr. Chad Hawk. This is Chad Borkwin and this is the Dream Big series. I am a professional musician and recording artist that has been fortunate enough to learn how to get paid doing what I love. But this didn't just happen for me. In fact, I have years of doing things other than music that have all played into part of the success I get to experience now. But more importantly, I have learned the value of having the right people speak into my life and how that is the key to breaking free of old limiting habits. So if you're tired of being stuck and you believe there is more for you in life, the good news is everything I've done is a result of what I've learned and it can be taught. Join us as we bring topics and guests onto this show to provide you with valuable insights on how to get to your big dream. This is the Dream Big Series. Welcome to the show. All right, welcome to the Dream Big Series. And today we have Chad Hawk. Uh, Chad has been a friend of mine now for probably, what, a few months? A few months, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's, man, it's, man, it's been a pleasure getting to know you. There are a lot of layers to yeah. Chad Hawk that I think I'm only scratched the surface on at this point. But one of the things that I thought would be really exciting to talk about for our listeners today would be the, just, you know, you're a chiropractor. Yes. Right? And you've been a chiropractor a long time. Mm-hmm. And you've had some very interesting patients. I would say so. You? Yeah. I would say so. Yeah. Before we get into kind of some of the things that I would like to, to, to hear about, you, you mind sharing just kind of some of that background of who you've been, you know, well, who you've worked with, and where sh- you came from? Sure. Um, yeah. I grew up in Kansas City. I had my main practice in Charlottesville, Virginia for 16 years or so. Um, while I was there, I was very blessed to serve some pretty amazing people. I've served presidents, I've served Hall of Fame football players, I've served actors and actresses, I've served um, bands, I've served all sorts of different people from multi-billionaires to the homeless. I've served in Africa and now I practice here in Kansas City. So that's quite a range. It is a range. How does one go from getting out of chiropractic school to a clientele like that? Uh, I don't know. Mm -hmm. So my dad is a chiropractor as well. He's practiced for 55 years or so here in Kansas City. And um, his practice was in a a nice place here in Kansas City called the Mm -hmm. Plaza. And over the years, he's also seen people very similar to I to the type of clients that I've had, the patients that I've had. And I don't know why. I didn't set out for that. Mm. Um, it just happened. And I think that, well, quite honestly, I believe God brings everybody I'm to serve. Yeah. Well, and I could definitely attest for that, just knowing you, that uh, that's what I've seen since we've gotten to know each other. 
So one of the ones that, you know, that really got my attention was when I found out that you were Dave Matthews Band's chiropractor for quite some time, right? Yeah, for, um, I think it was about five and a half, six years, I was the DMV chiropractor. Yeah. Yeah. And and why that kind of got my attention, or got my attention a lot, is because I remember when they were first breaking into the scene. And I remember hearing the story of how they had done so well independently that when the record labels were interested in signing them, their response was like, well, we're already doing that much ourselves. You're going to have to, you know, do better or we're just going to keep doing this independently. They were in my, to my knowledge, one of the first ones to kind of really break that mold of record labels, you know, coming in and breaking somebody where they did it themselves. Is that right? Is that how that went down? Um, Yeah, I don't know all of the ins and outs of the history, so mm-hmm. I don't want to speak too much into it. Okay. But I do know this, that their manager, Corin Capshaw, um, has changed the face of how music is managed, produced, and, and re- really how its oversight is done. And the people they've taken on uh, since, I mean, he started with DMB and some other bands, and uh, how he's grown that has been unlike other ways other bands normally get into the forefront. Mm-hmm. So he broke the mold for sure, but I don't know all the mechanics of how that happened. Well, what were, what were the, some of the things that you just witnessed, you know, or, or were you there before that offer came or were you after? No, no, no. I was there after. Okay. Um, however, when I went to the university of Virginia, yeah. um, I worked with a band called lost in the supermarket. Okay. Um, they were, they played fraternities and stuff. And I basically would drive the van a little bit and help them set up and tear down. Um, and we opened for DMB before DMB was big. And okay. so I got to know them years before I ever was their chiropractor. Hmm. If, well, what did you, did you see any clues then that you said, this is, this group's going to do something? No, they just had a real, they have the passion for their music and how they play. Mm-hmm. You know, they're they're a working band. You know, they're a touring band. Mm-hmm. A lot of bands are studio bands. You know, they only like to play in studio. They don't go on the road a lot. And they're still, to this day, they're on the road 60, 70 shows a year. That's a huge number for a band. And they just keep doing it over and over and over. That's what they feed on. That's one of the things that set them apart. And another thing that they did, I believe the Grateful Dead did this as well, is they encouraged you to record mm. their concerts. And then people would put them on tape or CD and then share them. And they were totally fine with that. They let you share their live shows. They were fine with it. And that's what allowed them to have a dynamic growth far beyond what other major labels would ever let you do. And to this day, they let you do that. Hmm. Was, so was Corn Capshaw, was he involved early on? Yeah, he come yeah. In later? he's been there okay. the whole way. Did he just kind of cut his teeth with them? And then I think so, yeah. Gotcha. What What did you see What did you see him do? Um, did you see him do anything that was just like outside the box from what other groups were doing? Or um, Again, my experience with a lot of different mm-hmm. bands isn't that vast. So it's hard for me to speak into that. But I will say this. They were able to make changes and adapt to circumstances almost instantly. That's one thing I noticed Mm. um, being on the road with them 
for so long. There would be a hurdle or an opportunity come up and they could instantly make it. They didn't have to go through 30 layers of bureaucracy in order to get approval to do something. Corin would be there every weekend. In fact, I'd go out with him sometimes. And so, I, I mean, he wouldn't be there all week, but the tour manager and, you know, the him, the two of them together could work together to create things in a dynamic state, which is what most bands don't do. Right. Was there, I mean, is there like an example of something you saw that? Um, yeah, I do. I remember something in Chicago. Um, they were going to, or they were invited to be on some Chicago morning show or something. And normally I think for a big band, it's a, it's a, you know, get approval, have to go through all these steps. And in five minutes, they were there. And that just doesn't happen. You know, that doesn't happen the way it should um, with a t typical label, right? And they were there, they were set up, they did a sound check and they played in like five minutes. I've never seen anything wow. like that happen. What, um, what, so... Did you, I mean, did, was there always like when they were faced with situations like that, that sometimes can really rub against people if they're not, you know, able to do that as a band. I mean, just even the band alone, you know, that can be stressful. Did they, they all seem to navigate that pretty well? Yeah, or? they did fine. I mean, it was yeah. all in their wheelhouse. It's exactly how they worked. Mm. And a lot of the opening bands that they, that uh, would come through and there was a, there were a lot of big name opening bands. Um, you would see them struggle with their ability to adapt because the band could move just like that and the crew expected it. It's like that was their normal, that was their modus operandi, right? Right. These opening bands would struggle. I remember when Nora Jones was opening for them, I don't remember what year, maybe 2003 or four, um, and there was a problem with her piano. And she was a solo show, right? It was just her and her piano. There was mm -hmm. a problem with the piano. And instead of just replacing the piano, she had to go through all of this rigmarole to get a new piano shipped over and had all, have all you know, the label had to be right. All these things had to be right on it rather than just get a new piano. And I remember everybody, the whole crew, like the, the roadies, and we were just like, this is stupid. You know, yeah. get a piano. It doesn't matter what it is, play the piano. But according to the label, it had to have all these specifications and there wasn't one around and it turned into a big deal. And I just remember thinking, we spent six hours waiting for this piano for something that could have been done minutes. Yeah, that's interesting. So when, they, when you were with them, were they, or when, when you started function as their chiropractor were they already at the headline spot or were they still they were, opening okay. no 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 they were they were a big time band then yeah how would how was would you say did they have pretty good relationships with their openers or yeah i would say so they always mm -hmm. made time for them mm -hmm. um they always would especially the smaller ones if they would have a guest in who was a big name already they would hang out but for the the up and coming the emerging people um, they really did make time to, to kind of mentor them, talk to them, mm -hmm. hang out with them, share ideas, concepts, play with them back in the, the dressing rooms. I, I, that happened all the time. I wish cell phones had been bigger because I would have recorded a few of those oh, moments that were just incredible. Wow, I can't even imagine sitting in on something like that. Yeah. 
The music industry is drastically changing and for the better. The power to have a successful music career is in your hands and no longer up to a few gatekeepers. The key is having the right information, the right tools, and committing to do the work. I want to help you jumpstart your career with my free ebook called Play Music, Make More. This free ebook is everything we've done with our own group as well as what I've learned being an entertainment agent, and it's all played into the success we've had as independent artists. Visit playmusicmakemore.com to get your free copy today. All right, we're back here with Chad Hawk talking about chiropractic and the Dave Matthews Band. Sure. And, uh, let's let's transition a little bit. Okay. I would like to to talk to the mindset that you have witnessed in not just them, but but there is a mindset it takes to operate on that level. You know, a way to think. And I'm sure you've had to see some really good examples of that from all these artists you work with and maybe some they're not so good and I'm not asking you to to give names of the ones sure. that you don't want to you know sure. I understand there's 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 HIPAA that things we gotta watch here right. and right. that's fine but what I'm looking more for is just the actual the beat of that what is it that makes a, the mindset work for what is the mindset that makes it work for an artist that you've seen artists um, they, they I'm gonna overstate it and yeah. then I'm going to try and narrow it in. Artists tend to have ideas where they have a passion about something that they get. They understand and they want to share with the world. A lot of times artists have a difficult time transitioning or translating their vision to something that others can attach to, others can understand. And when they're able to do that, when they're able to take, for example, music, and make it something that's real and tactile and enjoyable and connects with the, the listener, then a relationship can be developed. The thing is, I think great bands have almost a, a sixth sense on how to establish and carry that relationship forward through the music, through their actions, their behaviors, the way that they connect to the crowd, the listener sitting in the car, or with just their earbuds in, you know? It doesn't matter where they're at. There's a connection. You go back and you listen to some old Beatles or Stones, and the way that they're able to connect to you is different than just walking down the street and maybe hearing something, you know, Muzak playing on an elevator or something. It's not the same. And that level of creativity and relational spark that develops, uh, that comes through with great bands, is something that makes them different. And do you believe that that is something they were born with or it's something that they can actually learn? I think they can learn. Yeah. I think some people are born with it. I mean, some people, mm -hmm. they can walk up to a tree and that tree will be their best friend in 30 minutes. You know, it'll just start talking away to them. Uh, some people have that gift. But anybody can learn to let their identity, who their calling is, their purpose in their life mm -hmm. shine out. And when you let your identity shine out and you don't try and put on a, a persona or cr create yourself into something you think you need to be versus who God made you to be, that's a huge distinction. Now, unfortunately, a lot of actors and a lot of musicians do put on major personas and that's what they sell and that's when they burn out. Yeah. The ones that have long legs are the ones who really move into who they are. Hmm. 
we could we could just stop right here. <laughs> <laughs> We're not going to. But that was. Um, can I give an example of yeah, that? Yeah, I'd love that. That'd be great. Um, an example would be the the I believe it was two thousand three when James Brown. Uh, met up with Dave Matthews Band, and they did a winter concert at Madison Square Garden. It was an amazing time. They did uh, two or three days of it. And I remember when James Brown uh, arrived, it was in early afternoon, his whole entourage showed up. I mean, the band had already set up, they'd already done their sound checks, but James was gonna show up. And he pulls up in this limo, and he gets out, there's like eight ladies get out in these super short skirts of his limo, and they're going down, his security's in front of him. You know, they've got like the wires and all the stuff like CIA people would. And he walks out, he gets out, he's got the big smile, the James Brown smile, you know? Mm -hmm. And he walks down the hall, and he sees he finds out finds out I'm the chiropractor, and he's like, "You're the chiropractor?" I said, "Yeah, I'm the chiropractor." He goes, "Oh, I need to get my back cracked today, you know." And he was just so real about it. And then ten minutes later, he's in there. He's like, "Time for me to feel good," you know. <laughs> and he was just he embodied who he was. Yeah, he was the James Brown you saw on stage. Hmm. He was that in real life. I mean, when we would go over to catering and get. Food, you know, you'd meet some of these people. Um, somebody who I, I've never cared for, but I got to meet and know, um, Justin Timberlake. He was just a regular guy sitting around eating at the table with everyone else. Now, I don't know how he is out in the real world, but in that environment, I didn't even know who he was, honestly. I'm not that hip on who all the the musicians are. Mm -hmm. um, and I just go down, I said, hey, is anybody sitting here? He's like, no. So I sit down and we just start talking. And then after about 10 minutes, the table's full and everybody's talking. And I said, who are you? <laughs> and, and he shared with us like, oh, nice to meet you, you know? But that's just an example of somebody who I thought would have a different presence yeah. when they're away from the stage, but he didn't. He, he was just a regular person. If, if I'm, you know, if I'm a new artist and I'm watching this and I'm thinking or listening to this and I'm thinking about, okay, I'm, I'm nowhere near James Brown or Justin Timberlake. Where do I begin to work on? What do I do to start figuring out what my internal identity is and how to, how to let that out? Wow. Okay. I think you need to go right to the source. Mm -hmm. The first thing you need to do is you need to establish what your principles are for your life. Not necessarily just music but your life. What are the hardcore, deep, deep down principles that won't be shaken, even when times are really hard? What's going to sustain you? Those principles become the deeply embedded root system to support your life. After you're able to really get clear on those five or six deep principles, then you move up into the philosophy. How do these principles translate into your life? How do they become your expression? How do you emote them? How do you live into them? And that's your philosophy. And it's a trunk of a tree, if you will. So the root system, the trunk of the tree, that system can move with the wind, but it doesn't move much, right? You don't have a lot of change in your philosophy because it's always rooted into this, into your principles. And then it, we'll use probably not the best word, but your procedures, the day in, day out stuff you have. Mm -hmm. That's like the branches. They move a lot. But they're, as long as they stay congruent with your philosophy and down into your principles, you're going to be safe. You're always going to be living your life and you won't compromise 
The greater the level of contradiction or compromise in your life, the greater level of potential failure. And you want to avoid that. Yeah. And, and when you do that, it comes out in your music too. It sure does. Yeah. Your music, how you treat others, how you treat your band. How you treat of your course. Crew. So, yeah. yeah. Boy, crew, that's a big one. I yeah. saw bands when there would be multiple big bands play. Some crews do not treat their, or some bands do not treat their crew well, and you can really see it. Yeah. And I would imagine you saw results of what that caused, too. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, there strife. Were all, strife, problems, yeah. arguing, bickering. Um, uh a lot more drug use than yeah. than what you know. Uh, I would say a, a more well managed band would have um, a lot more uh, drinking um, than I mean people showing up on the set just wasted mm -hmm. and that just ruins the show. It, whether or not you see it or not, you feel it. It's there. Yeah. You think there? You think in those cases, a lot of it they're just trying to mask something or hide from something or what do you I think, think so on there yeah, yeah. um mm -hmm. i think there's uh i think a lot of people they want to a lot of bands they want to get big mm -hmm. but they don't prepare themselves for what happens if they do right and then they start living out of that persona not their identity and that's when all these relational problems come up and i think you see i think you hear it in the music mm. well i gotta tell you there is an extreme amount of wisdom coming out of this interview from you. And I appreciate that because, you know, you don't always go to your chiropractor expecting to get this, <laughs> right? <laughs> I mean, mental health along with physical health. And what people need to know, I think, about you is that you, you have a passion to make a huge difference in both those areas. Yeah. You know, not just your chiropractic practice, but you have your own podcast. I do. Right? Yeah. yeah. You want to share a little bit about what that... Sure. It's well, called Renegade it. Atlas. Mm -hmm. um, our website is The Renegade Atlas. And what our whole purpose on that is to challenge people to chart a new path for their life, to break away from what the world is telling you to do and really move into what your calling is in your life. So what we do is we stir up a lot of questions. We don't give you a lot of answers. Mm -hmm. So it's a different way of doing things. It's not right for everyone, but those who love it seem to really like it. Yeah, and you know it's starting to ramp up, right? Yeah, I mean, yeah. Our listenership has really shot up recently. That's fantastic. So they can find you at Renegade Atlas. Sure. Right. Yep. And uh, as far as your chiropractic practice, you have a website for that. Yeah, it's drchadhawk.com. Okay, and we'll have those in the show notes as well. Thank so they you. Can find that. Uh, a couple things, like a fun story, because I know a little bit about the chicken pox story. I think that's pretty funny. What's the chicken share? pox story. Yeah. Okay. So my family would uh, often come out to shows when they were closer to where our home was, again, in Charlottesville, Virginia. And we went to a show uh, that was being done in Virginia Beach. You know, that's one I don't have to fly to. We just drove down there one day. And my daughter uh, was probably three or four years old, mm -hmm. probably three. And... Um, Ashley, who's Dave's wife, uh, comes up to my wife, Kate, and she says, Hey, Kate, our daughters, he has twins, okay? Mm -hmm. He says, Our daughters have chicken pox. Do you want Allie to get chicken pox? So Allie spent the whole afternoon and the evening uh, playing with Dave's sister, or twins, excuse me, Dave's twins on the tour bus. And that's how Allie got her chicken pox. You know, that's how she's now protected from chicken pox for the rest <laughs> of her life. But we had a lot of stories. You know, it was very much a family atmosphere. Yeah. The band's families would be there. So, yeah. 
Mm. Yeah, my daughter got her chicken pox from Dave Matthews' daughters. Yeah, not everybody can say that. No, no, no. no. If you had an opportunity to talk to or leave a message or write a letter to 16-year-old Chad Hawk, Mm. what advice would you give him? Um, Chad, that's really... Um, if I'm going to be real on this one, mm-hmm. and I think I w- can only be real on this one, I would tell myself to quit trying so hard. Um, I spent a lot of my life, probably the a long time in my life, working really, really hard to achieve standards I thought other people had for me. And not doing what I was truly called to do. I found success. Don't get me wrong. I found success. But I worked way too hard at it. Mm-hmm. And I sacrificed a whole lot to attain it. And if I had just been who I was, I would have got there so much faster. And I would have been so much more free. And I would have had so much more ease in my life. Hmm. Man, I just want to acknowledge you this has been fantastic you are you are such a light for people um they're gonna see that here i mean i saw it here and i just can't tell you how much i appreciate you doing this well thank you for having me on thanks yeah thank you thank you for listening to the dream big series with this coronavirus there is a lot of uncertainty out there i mean it's in our homes our schools our workplace i mean just our lives period so this is the time that we need to pull together And it's time for us to be there for each other and ask the question, what can I do? So here's the first thing. People need to hear from you. They need to hear that there's support and that there are people that care about them. And the big winner of this, if you do this, is going to be you. Because nothing can change our perspective better than when we shift our focus off ourselves and on to helping other people. In light of all this, Dr. Chad made an announcement last week, effective immediately. All children under the age 18, elderly 70 plus, and immunocompromised people will be provided care for a donation of any amount until this coronavirus concern subsides. If you'd like more information on that, please visit drchadhawk.com. We will have that link in the show notes as well. And thank you again for listening to the Dream Big series. You've been listening to the Dream Big series. We would love to hear from you, so please leave us a comment on your favorite podcast platform. Don't forget to visit us at dreambigseries.com for more podcasts, videos, and blogs. Also, let us know if you would like to bring the Dream Big series event to your school, corporation, or organization. Thank you for listening to the Dream Big series.